give me the placid dawn with plenty of tailing fish. And the perfect fly rod. Yeah. And get ready for some magic. Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Nice fish. And help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help. Hey. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Kayak Fishing Radio. Say hello, world. Hello, world. Say good night, world. Good night, world. Go to bed. That's Trey. Many me. Uh, welcome to another edition of Kayak Fishing Radio. I am your host, Charles Levi, also known as Redfish Chuck. Joining me tonight as the illustrious co-host, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. James Page. Northside, represent. Oh. What's going on, my good friend? It's above freezing. Life is good. It's above freezing and life is good. <laughs> Rainy, but above freezing. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I keep getting no- notifications on my phone telling me that Atlanta is under a flood warning. Yes. So there's it's a little like creek. on and off for the last couple of days or what? Well, there's a little creek north of Roswell. It runs through Al- Alpharetta and Roswell, which is North Fulton County. They call it Big Creek. It's not a big creek. It's a, if you spit in it, it floods creek. So <laughs> it, 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 if it rains any, it floods. So there's a flood warning that goes out that Big Creek is flooding again. So it's not really, you know, it's like the sun comes up in the east, rains a little bit, someone spits, someone sweats too much when they're running along the creek. Creek floods, flood warnings. So that's the kind of deal it is. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, the joys of living in a hilly mountainous area. All the water runs downhill, yeah. right? Yeah. So <clears throat> you got to go yeah. somewhere, right? That's right. And then eventually it goes to the ocean. So we got that going for us. <laughs> we got so, that going for us. <laughs> So I saw a canoe in the back of a pickup with rods in it. Mm-hmm. Was it this yeah. past weekend, right? And someone said they were off uh, to find black drum. I was actually yes. The the post said uh, off to find Mr. Whiskerface or Mr. Whiskers or something like that. Um, or barbels. Right? Barbels. Well, I found them. I found. Mm-hmm. All of them, all like a hundred of them or so. And uh, okay, so black drum typically are not a very spooky oh. fish. Oh, you're not talking about hardhead catfish, which is your favorite. You're talking about black drum. Sorry, when you said barbels, it threw me. No or they'd be whiskers, I guess, on catfish. Whiskers. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I, I I'll let that slide. So, um <laughs> don't worry. I got I got something for you here shortly. Anyways. Um Yeah. Went and found 
some black drum with my dear friend and neighbor, Mr. Doug Robertson, who is becoming quite the angler. Anyhow. Awesome. Yeah. And it's fun to fish with my neighbor. I mean, it's just, you know, the guy's like, my neighborhood is the way neighborhoods I would imagine were like back in the 50s where everybody knew everybody, everybody watched out for each other's kids, and, you know, you, you broke bread with your neighbors, you vented to your neighbors, and you knew who lived near you. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. Everyone's kind of off the radar, it seems. But anyways, um, we, went, we, we went looking for some fish, found some fish. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I got some pretty good intel from – the one and only Mr. Justin Ritchie, and uh, it was spot on. I went to the spot where he had told me he had seen some fish, and uh, we were on a school of what I would say probably close to 100 fish, and every one of them uh, was over 30 inches, it looked like. Um, They're all very good-sized fish. So we get set up, um, get close, and... Obviously, I'm throwing fly rod. My buddy's throwing spinning rod. It's not real conducive to do both from the canoe. <laughs> it could be done. True. But it's better to just jump out and walk up to them. So that's what we did. And uh, here's where the story gets real interesting. For those of you that like to consume shrimp, I like to consume shrimp myself, personally. I would be curious to know what is in the shrimp that you buy from, let's just say, Publix with the shrimp on the front of the bag, the frozen shrimp with the shrimp on the front of the bag. And the reason why I say this is because typically you could throw a live shrimp or a dead shrimp or a piece of shrimp anywhere near a black drum And they will find it, and they will eat it, and you will catch them. My buddy threw perfect cast into the center of this school of black drum, not spooking a single fish. Had fish tailing all around where his shrimp was laying on the bottom, and they would not touch it. Mm. So something, something must be put in the shrimp to preserve it, that does not allow the shrimp to smell like a shrimp or taste like a shrimp, maybe even look like a shrimp. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, in all the years of fishing this area and fishing for black drum, which has been a long, long time, I have never seen an entire school of fish snub their nose at chunks of shrimp. Never. Were Never, these fish ever. in a spawning? Were they in a spawning mode or were they in a feeding mode? They were in a feeding mode with their tails sticking out of the water, happier than a pig in manure. Yeah, so they were feeding. They were <clears> feeding <throat> on something. I'm not really sure what they were eating. Um, the area in which we found them was basically like a moonscape. There was some grass there, but it was that red rolly grass that we get from time to time. It's more of an algae than a real grass. And uh, 
<clears throat> but that was very scattered. So they're probably eating worms and things like that out of this, out of the, out of this uh, sediment, and maybe some snails and things like that. Um, a couple times you'd see them kind of blow up on something. So they may be finding some shrimp and maybe even crabs. There's always crabs in this particular area, small ones, and there's very big ones on the other side of this particular area. We'll just leave it at that um, without giving mm-hmm. too much away. Um, and I threw four different patterns at them, including one with rattles, one without rattles, one with a weed guard, one without a weed guard, crab patterns, shrimp patterns, everything. I threw, I threw, I threw what normally works at them, and they snubbed their nose at all of it. And the very first cast that I made to the school of fish with the fly rod, the fly line didn't even hit the water, and the and the fish spooked. <clears throat> Which tells me, well, one thing for sure, that they've been beat up till no end. What's up? When? Just now? Um, carry on. James, grab it for a second if you don't mind. Okay. It sounds like we had some black drum that were feeding. But we're not taking any kind of, sh- which not taking a, a shrimp, a black drum not taking a shrimp is crazy because they'll always take a shrimp. Makes you want to read the ingredients of public shrimp. And then they wouldn't take a fly, which that's not so curious because black drum are notoriously bad about not taking flies. I didn't, I didn't we didn't hear if Chuck threw something with a, a bunny strip on the back of the fly, like a little a leech or a bunny bugger or a. I guess they got a red drum booger, same thing. Did you throw anything with a bunny strip on it? Heavily weighted bunny strip? Yeah. Yeah. So Every, everything taking, that I've ever thrown not, at everything I've ever thrown at Black Drum and has worked, I threw. And right. they didn't want nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. And we followed them around the for a little while. Fly. Yeah. They're not taking the shrimp fly, you know it's a bad day. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the shrimp the fly sh- itself. For those of you that are new to the show, I'm talking about an actual shrimp. It's an inside joke because Captain Alex doesn't really like to throw the fly on on very many occasions, so therefore he makes fun of me when we go fishing for black drum and he throws a piece of shrimp and catches a fish right away. He's like, you should use the shrimp fly. Anyway. But it was fun nonetheless. And that's 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 something that I'm gonna I'm gonna point to is I have found that over the course of the last couple of years <clears throat> the need for me personally to go out and catch fish hasn't been as strong as it was years past. I don't mind going out and not getting a fish. It's okay with me. Like I don't get bummed for getting skunked like it happens you know what I mean like some folks get mm-hmm. real agitated and aggravated when they when they get it when they get skunked and I don't I don't care like <laughs> it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if, if we go fish if you're out there on the water and you take the time to soak up the environment in which you're in I think that 
you might would come away with a little bit more of a respect for it and appreciation for it. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. To me, it's like you go out there and you and you, you find a school of fish that are tailing hard, super happy, and um, you get to watch nature at its very best. You get to watch a predator doing what it's been doing for hundreds and thousands of years, just feeding at will. It, it, sometimes I think, too, it, it's best to go and watch. If you know, like right now, there's no doubt the black drum is thick. Everyone catches black drum at this time of year. Some people see them like me and don't catch them, but other people catch them. Um, no, I'll get them. Trust me. I'm going to go this weekend and I'm going to pull on some faces, but, um, if you, if you know they're thick and you have a good idea of where they're located, it might not be a bad idea to sit back and watch. For those of you, especially that are new, somewhat new to sight fishing or, 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 uh, fishing in general. It might not be a bad idea, <clears throat> excuse me, to take a few minutes to sit back and watch them. <laughs> Whether it's redfish, black drum, tarpon rolling, snook smashing stuff outside the mangrove trees. Whether you're bass fishing or whatever, you, whatever your quarry is, if you can see it, <clears throat> if you can physically watch it, it might not be a bad idea to do that. Because, and I'll tell you why. It's very simple. You're going to school. You're going to school and you're learning how to um, recognize the signs and, and, and <clears throat> gosh, excuse me, the signs and symptoms, if you will, of a happy fish. Right? So say you find some tarpon. Right. Say you find some tarpon and they're rolling, but they're rolling really hard and aggressive. Like they're coming up and they're slapping the surface of the water. They're not feeding. They're just rolling really, really hard. Those fish are agitated. Those fish are aggravated. There's something going on that they're not happy with. You might want to move along and find some other fish. Because typically they just don't feed very well. Now, granted, of course, if you throw a live shrimp in the mix or you throw a live finger mullet in the mix or mud minnow, you're probably going to get bit at some point regardless. But they're not the happy fish you're really looking for. Now, you find those tarpon that come up and they roll nice and slow. Big gulp of air, roll nice and slow. You see their little dorsal fin, and you see their tail roll into the water. Those fish are ready. Those fish are happy, happy fish. You find yourself a school of redfish. And the school of redfish, rather than just moving and pushing water, nose down in the bottom and tails are sticking up in the air. They're waving their tails around or the tails are just sitting still. Those are happy fish. Those are fish that you can present something to. Now, the key to any fish that tails, the key to any fish that tails is understanding two things. Which direction are they facing and approximately how big are they? You might say to yourself, well, why does it matter how big they are? Why does it matter which direction they're facing? Well, Chuck. if you're throwing a fly to something, what? 
Why does it matter how big they are and which direction they're facing? <laughs> do tell us. I figured. I figured you were going to do that. Um, <laughs> because here's why, James. Because uh, when you understand the direction which the fish is facing, then you know which direction you need to, or which which area you need to try and cover for your cast. Because obviously you don't want to throw your fly or your jig or your spoon or your topwater or whatever you want to throw behind the fish. That makes no sense. You want to put it out in front of the fish. Now, here's something to remember and something to think about, especially for you new guys out there and you guys and gals out there listening to the show. The strike zone, if you will, of a tailing redfish or a black drum. Actually, let's just go with redfish because their eyesight's better than a black drum is about the size of a dinner plate. When their face is down and they're staring at the bottom because they think there's something there, the strike area for that fish is about the size of a dinner plate. Maybe just a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit smaller, maybe the size of a, of a, of a coffee saucer, coffee cup saucer, if you will, if they're in deep grass. Their eyes are getting somewhat covered up because of the grass, and but they are focused on what's below them. They're not looking up. They're not trying to pay attention to what's coming from either side. They are focused on what's going on on the bottom. So if you can't put your presentation within, or you can't bring your presentation to the fish, that's what I should say. You can't bring your presentation to the fish and leave it for them within that strike area. You're going to have a hard time connecting to a lot of tailing fish. Now, the key to being able to do all of this is being able to get that bait past that bait, lure, fly, whatever, past the fish without lining the fish. I know it sounds very elementary, but believe it or not, I've fished with a lot of folks that are somewhat new over the years, and every one of them that I've ever taken fishing with me that I've put in front of tailing fish have all clammed up and either smacked them on the head or threw behind them or whatever at one point or another. And then they figure it out and they go out and they get – what's that? Explain what lining the fish is to people who are new. Thank you. Uh, Lining the fish. So say you've got a red fish's tailing. Uh, Let's just say for – for lack of argument because it's hard to describe it without – you being able to see my hand movements or whatever, fish is facing east-west, you're facing north-south, and you throw your line directly across the top of its back or its tail, whether it's your fly line, your braided line, your monofilament, whatever. And the line itself touches the fish, and the fish feels it, and so they either, A, spook off, and they're gone, or it just bothers them just enough to where now they're alert, tail drops, they're no longer going to tail, they're still sitting somewhere in the vicinity, but they're not a happy fish anymore. Now now they're, oh, what was that, laying down on the bottom. Let me just snug down in the bottom here and, and see if this danger passes or this threat passes. Because I've watched a lot of guys do just that, blow a cast on a fish, fish drops his tail. They assume the fish has now swam away, they proceed forward only to run the fish over. So, what? And it's easy to line a fish when the fish's tail is towards you and they're swimming away from it, trying to 
yes. over the fish as they're swimming away from you is easy to line a fish yeah. that way. Yes, very very easy to line a fish that way. Um, and also, too, it can become somewhat problematic to have a fish facing you or um, well, mainly just facing you. If it's swimming away from you, it eats as, as your presentation is coming to it. You don't. You have a very, very small chance of pulling the bait from the fish's mouth because of you know physics. Fish eats it going away. You pull on the hook. It spins, rotates, goes into the corner of the mouth or on top of the mouth or whatever. Fish coming at you. You gotta. If you're a fly fisherman, you're gonna look like your trout setting. You have to. You don't have a choice. If you if you standard strip set with a fish coming directly to you. More than li- more than likely, you'll end up pulling the fly out of their mouth. Um, <clears throat> so, if you can, again, going back to having patience and waiting, sit back and wait, and allow for all of this to kind of transpire. We'll let the fish, almost like hunting, when you're hunting a deer, the last thing you want to do is shoot at it if it's walking directly at you or if it's walking away from you. You want a broadside shot. Same thing with a fish. You always want to take a broadside shot if you can. You always, always, always want that. And the, one of the reasons why is because you can correct a lot easier without concerning yourself about lining the fish. So if the fish should spin around, say its tail's facing east, uh, facing east, and then all of a sudden it spins around and now it's facing west, you can lift your rod tip, throw it from right to left or left to right, whichever way you need to, to adjust the motion of that lure coming to it so that you're not hitting him in the tail now you're putting it in front of his face. Or now you, you, you blew the first cast and the fish spins in a different direction. Now you might be able to sneak it out the back door, so to speak, so that now you can make a better presentation on the fish. That makes sense? Yes. When you were going out to the black drum, did you see any other? Did you see anything else on the way out or the way in? No. Nothing. No catfish, no stingrays, no horseshoe crabs, nothing. No birds, and when we no found wading them, birds, anything? No, no wading birds to speak of. Uh, there was one other kayaker in the area, and there was two boats in the area. And we'll do a quick little huh, what not to do segment. Um, but uh, when it comes to boating... Obviously, this is kayak fishing radio, so it's a bit different than boating. But if you own a boat and a kayak and you decide to take said boat out and you're going to go look for fish that are generally spooky because of how much pressure they've had lately, I would highly recommend that you get your lazy butt up off the deck, shut your motor off, grab your push pole, get up on the platform, and pull the boat as it was intended to do. I watched a guy a couple hundred yards away from us motor in and out of a cove with the motor trimmed oh, up no. just about as high as he possibly could. Oh, yeah. And spitting water oh, everywhere. No. I'm surprised his lower unit was, was pulling any water um, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the fish that we were on, every time the guy would fire his motor up, would react to it. You got to oh, understand, yeah. too. Totally. Like the, the, yeah, yeah, depending upon where you are in the in the country or in the world, for that matter. We just looked at before the show. I just looked at the map and still cracks me up, man. That we're heard in so many different places. It's it's crazy. But anyway, 
Um, depending upon where you are, uh, fish in your region could be bass, could be uh, musky, could be salmon species, could be anything that live in a estuary or a lake or a pond, unlike the ocean, because things in the ocean are different than things in lakes and ponds and estuaries, know the sounds that we make as humans. They're not, I mean, fish for the most part are not really that stupid of a creature. I mean, obviously they have a couple of things they need to do. They need to eat, they need to make more fish babies and eat some more. Like that's pretty much what they do and not, not get killed by something like that's pretty much on their to-do list for the day Mm -hmm. is eat and don't get eaten. Like that's pretty much it. And then every couple moon cycles or whatever, or every couple months in a moon cycle or whatever, they, uh, they do their thing, make a little baby fish and that's awesome. But so the mosquito lagoon, the Indian river, the banana river, all of it is a good example of this. If you turn on a trolling motor on your kayak, just by turning on the trolling motor, you're sending out a vibration and a frequency through the water that these fish all know, and they react to it. If you're paddling really, really hard, like you're, like you're sloppy paddling, as I call it, splashing the water a lot, and you're making a lot of noise and racket in your kayak, they know what that sound is now, <clears throat> and they run for their lives. Well, there's another aspect of that too, Chuck. The pressure waves that come off the boat is the same yeah. thing that pressure waves that come off another mm-hmm. predator, bigger than they are, comes mm-hmm. off your legs if you wade too fast. Those pressure waves that move away from you, the ripples in the water, when they hit fish, that's going to put fish down or it's going to spook them because they don't know, if they don't see where the source is, they could think it's a large mm-hmm. fish coming to eat them, a predator. Yeah. Or an alligator come to eat them, some kind of large predator. And, you know, you talk about motor noise. You know how dumb the fish are in Louisiana. The last time I fished over there, way back up in the bayou, not out on the golf side, a guy came by us, and the guy that I was using had a beaver tail skiff that he was pulling. A guy came in, and he was several hundred yards away from us running a Texas, a Texas skimmer. And when he got mm-hmm. within about 100 yards of us, he hit a shallow flat, and really his motor to get across it. You know, you could hear him bogging down, and he really gunned it up RPM. And the three dozen redfish around us all tailed down. And about 15 minutes later after he went by, they all tailed right back up. And Louisiana's got the dumbest redfish in the world. But they still, when he really got on that outboard hard to get across that shallow water and that skimmer, they all, all the tails sank, every one of them. For about 20 minutes. Hmm. And you wouldn't think you wouldn't think a place where the redfish will swim into the side of the boat chasing your spoon would would spook off an of engine noise, but they will. As big as and vast as that place is. Yeah. I told the guy that well, he could go back to the boat ramp, and I'd hold him, and he could beat him. Or he I, he could hold him, and I'd beat him for spooking our fish like that for being such an idiot. But that's another story. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I think that's, that's one of the things that a lot of folks don't um, take into consideration is their noise. And not just their noise in the kayak or 
paddleboard or wading or in a boat, but also their noise is in their voices. Um, I, I just don't, uh, I, I don't understand. I, listen, I'm a chatty, I'm a chatty McChatterson on the water. I like to talk, I like to have a conversation. I like to, you know, shoot the, shoot the crap. But I also know that there's times where you need to shut your mouth and <laughs> be quiet and be stealthy and move in and try and make that presentation happen. And whether it's the, the no motor zone, the lagoon, or the banana river or Indian river, I have heard more times than I can tell you uh, groups of kayak anglers that were very loud, very yelling to each other. Hey, hey, what's going on? Fish on over here, bro. Like really, really loud. Like we've, we've all done mm-hmm. it. We've all hooted and hollered when you hook a fish or whatever. We've all been loud from time to time. But when you can sit there and listen to a conversation between two guys that are probably close to a mile away from you, um, paddling their kayak so they're not like talking over the sound of an outboard engine. And obviously voices carry a lot further on the water. Um, it's, it's, you just you wonder, like, you realize how loud you're being. And depending upon where you are, that could ruin your day before it even gets started. You know, for us, we were trying to be as quiet and as stealthily, uh, we were trying to be as quiet and and stealthy as we could moving in on these fish. Bottom's a little soft because there's no grass, so there's nothing to, to give it any support. So you're just sinking into the sediment and you're walking as, as gingerly as you possibly can and you finally get up near where those fish are at and you kind of position your feet to where you feel comfortable because you don't want to move again. And the fish, the tails would drop, then they'd come right back up and they'd stay up and they were happy again and they still wouldn't eat. So I don't know. I don't know. I know guys that will throw pro cure all over their flies to catch a fish. I'm not that dude. I will never, you will never see me put pro cure or any other fish attractant product on a fly. I don't care what species I'm fishing for. I don't care where I'm located in this adventure. I just, I won't do it. Because to me, it's just, you might as well be fishing with bait. Right? Yeah, there's right. nothing wrong and you with also disqual- There's nothing, what's that? You also, you also disqualify, your, disqualify yourself if you do catch a world record that you want to submit it. Right, because you gotta send the fly and X number of inches of your tippet in for them to look at it, and they can tell if you treated that fly. Yeah, so you know, there's that. But uh, cool. The other thing I wanted to talk about tonight. Let's see. All right. The other thing I want to talk about tonight, and this should be pretty interesting. Um. I don't know how you feel about this topic, but I'm going to bring it up because it just annoys the ever-loving crap out of me. The drama. Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. The drama in the fish in the kayak fishing world has got to stop. Can we all agree with that, please? Can we all agree that yes. 
were grown men, grown women, fishing out of silly little plastic boats. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous to see the level of banter back and forth about things as frivolous as somebody's choice of modification in their kayak. I've talked about this particular topic more times than I'd like to count on the show. But again, here we are. It's uh, 2018. <laughs> you know, we're all, again, we're all adults. The beauty Supposedly. of yeah, the beauty of this world is that if you if you have it to do it and you can do it, awesome, congratulations. No matter what that to do is. If you have it to buy a new car, awesome. Congratulations. You bought a new car. That's, that's a great accomplishment. That's a huge investment. If you bought a new home, same thing. You bought a new boat, same thing. Bought a new rod or reel or line or fly tying material. Anything that you purchased with your own personal money, kudos to you, right? Exactly. Where people get off telling somebody who just purchased something with their hard-earned money and tried a modification to see if it works better for them than what they had before is beyond me. Beyond me. I have no idea why anybody thinks that you have the right to A, poke fun, B, ridicule, and, and ask the stupidest questions like, why? Why would you do that? Pretty obvious why he did that because he wanted to do that. You know what I mean? And this particular modification that brought this topic up tonight was, and I thought, honestly, this is pretty cool. It is what it is. Some people don't feel that way, but gentlemen, and you know, let me pull it up because that would make the story a little bit more real, right? If I pull up the the thing here. Oh, I don't remember where which page it's in. Give me just a second. Um, but anyway, so I had to read it a couple times to understand that this guy made a modification to his Hobie and that there were people that were making fun of him for doing it, again, with his own money. So hmm. the gentleman's name time. is... What's that? And his time. And his time. Right, right, right. Uh, and then he took the time, to, at least he took the time to make a decent video about it for YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Alex Bulgaria. Sorry, buddy, if I, if I butchered your last name or your first name. Uh, the guy took a native propel drive and put it in a Hobie Compass. Hmm. Okay. So yeah. the, the questions come, why in the world would you do that? One of the first answers that he gives is the compass doesn't come with the 180 drive. Yeah, exactly. And he wanted reverse. Okay. Makes sense. Does it work? 
And then he shows you in the video that not only does it work, but it appears to be more efficient than the standard Mirage drive in the Compass by, by what I saw in the video. Talking about cadence. Right. Talking about how fast you've got to pump your feet in the Hobie versus how many kicks you have to or how many pedal strokes you have to take with the uh, Mirage uh, the whatever you call it. The the um, what's the native mm-hmm. one? I just said it. Anyway, doesn't matter. So you get you get questions, you get responses like you're fired. This is blasphemy. <laughs> it's Next a kayak. Step, we put Kia motors in a Cadillac. It's uh, a kayak. Yeah, hold it's on. It's not a Lamborghini. Um, yeah, I know. Let's see. Um, the hull must be burned and destroyed now. Like just, I mean, just random stuff. And a lot of these guys are friends of mine that, that had these conversations, uh, had these things to say. And um, one guy says, why would you want that piece of drive in a Hobie? Well, first of all, I don't think there's anything out there today from the top tier kayak manufacturers that I would consider to be a piece of S. You know, the hell with it, piece of shit, right? I don't think that anything from any of the top kayak manufacturers that truly is a piece of shit. You know, what we have now in the kayak industry is this is this thought process that if you don't do what I do or you don't like what I like, I can poke at you. I can mess with you. I can crack on your innovation or your ability to retrofit things, mod your kayak. And what I would say 75% of people who talk trash don't understand because they're all newbies to kayak fishing. You know, they just found it three, four years ago. Now all of a sudden it's the coolest thing since sliced bread. That's how we all started. Those of us who have been doing this for a long time, we didn't have the Luthers of the world. We didn't have Yak Gear. We didn't have any of those things. Scotty was the only company at the time making a fishing rod holder that could go on a kayak without having to use JB Weld and a ton of other things, or you just drill holes and stuff PVCs into the holes. That's right. So once upon a time, I'll, yeah, you didn't get a kayak with anything on it except a plastic hull no. that you had a custom rig yourself. Yeah, they didn't come with anything. So once upon a time, if you wanted an accessory, <laughs> which there wasn't any, but if you wanted one, you had to make it. That's right. You had to make it. My first set, my first anchor for a kayak. Wasn't a stakeout pole, not not a not a eight foot fiberglass rod made to be a stakeout pole. It was a broken golf club. My first stakeout pole was a Schedule Forty PVC pipe that I um, cut an angle on one end and put a cap on the other end and drilled a hole through it and had a rope through it, and it didn't work on hard rocky bottoms because the PVC wasn't sharp. I couldn't get it sharp enough. They didn't have stakeout right. poles. 
They didn't have kayak anchors. They didn't have pedal systems. Like 50, they didn't have any of the crap they have today. Heck, I couldn't even find a Scotty rod holder. I had to get regular rod holders and saw them down and mount them myself, drill holes and mount them myself in my Tarpon 16 because where I bought my Tarpon 16, it didn't come with rod holders and they didn't have any Scotty rod holders. I had to go buy some from Bass Pro Shop, of all things, and then buy some plugs and custom make some plugs go in the top so the water wouldn't go through when I didn't have rods in them. Yeah. I just, I feel, I, I feel like for some reason, and I'm not really sure why, I feel like the, the the kayak fishing community, and listen, when I tell you folks this stuff, I first things first, I love you. I love all of you, right? Because we're like, we're like, we were like a big family group, the kayak fishing community. We were all, always had each other's backs and this whole thing. And it's gotten big, and of course, with everything that grows, you lose a lot of that. But if again, if the guy takes his money and buys something to add to his boat, it doesn't matter which manufacturer it came from, doesn't matter which manufacturer's boat he's putting it on. That's his prerogative. It's just like that's just like saying that honestly, it's the same thing. It's like me having a Nautilus, a T bore, or any other high end fly reel and putting it on anything other than that that real manufacturer's rod, which very few real manufacturers make rods. So is it blasphemy that I've got a, let's just say, I don't, I don't personally own one. I'm using them as an example because they also sell reels. Say that I had a TFO mangrove, right? Would it be blasphemy if I put a T-bore, Everglades on it? You know what I mean? There's no difference. Mm -hmm. There literally is no difference. If you're fishing with a Shimano spinning reel and you don't have it on a Shimano rod, is it blasphemy? Is it ridiculous? Are you crazy? Like, have you lost your mind? Like, what are you doing? When you look at it in that context, it it makes perfect sense as to why guys like me and a a few others who stand up for folks who seem to get smashed by haters all the time, it makes perfect sense as to why we have an argument as to why everybody else sounds crazy. First things first, let's think about this. Do you personally, whoever you are out there in, in internet world listening to this, who may or may not have ever commented negatively on somebody's mod, do you get paid by the manufacturer in which you sit your butt in to go fishing? Are you on the payroll? If you're not on the payroll, you are only a consumer of said product. Right? That's right. So why do you have this loyalty? Why do you hold such why do you hold the company in which you fish from in such high regard? Nobody else in sporting in the outdoor sporting arena does this. Nobody. Literally, nobody. You're not going to find a turkey hunter on some turkey hunting webpage cracking on some dude because he's not shooting a Mossberg, he's shooting a Remington or whatever. You're not going to find a, a bow hunter 
cracking on some guy because he's not using muzzy broadhead. It doesn't happen. The only, as I looked, I've done the research, the only only class or or segment of outdoors people that have these stupid bickering matches is the kayak world. That is it. Now, you might see somebody on on a skiff page say, well, my skiff will run shallower than that skiff or my skiff will do this, or my skiff will do that. But it's never to the extent that this is. It's never to the extent that this is. And again, don't forget, they're plastic boats. Yeah. It's a piece of plastic. That was was my thing is, we're fishing out of plastic boats. We're not fishing out of Hell's Bays or Action Crafts or Hughes. It's a plastic boat, people. Get over it. Get over yourself. I just, you know, I, I don't get, I, I really don't understand the brand loyalty, the way, the, how deep the brand loyalty runs for nothing, like literally for nothing. If you're, if you're one of the five or six guys that get paid a salary to promote a kayak brand, because that's about all it really is, probably. I'm guessing. But if I had to make the guess, I would say five or six dudes because I'm thinking of the faces right now, and that's what I'm seeing. Then I can see you maybe having an argument. But even then, it would be in poor taste and would look horrible on the company in which you're trying to represent, as it does for all of you pro staffers and everybody else that continuously run your mouth all the time. It just it doesn't do you a good service. It makes you look like an Internet bully. And it makes the company in which you're trying to represent look like it's okay for them to have people like you on their team. And it's okay for them to talk trash to people who do mods or people who can't afford a $4,000 kayak or for, or whatever the case may be. Instead of all this negativity and nonsense, we should be lifting everybody up. We should take this guy who came up with this idea and we should pat them on the back. Like, look, that's pretty cool. And it definitely gives people a different option. How many guys are going to honestly be able to go out and, and grab, a, grab a drive from a different boat and retrofit it and the whole thing or will or have the money to do so? Very few. But if somebody sees this and says to themselves, self, this is a great idea. This will solve my problem. Uh-huh. You know, it's just like the guy, I don't know if you saw the video of the guy that made his own pedal system out of what looked like PVC pipes and a, PVC, and a couple of paddles. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That's, a, that's ingenuity. That is, that is what we did. We didn't, we didn't do, we didn't go that far with it back then, but that's, but that's what we did in the beginning of kayak fishing or when kayak fishing or in the beginning of modern kayak fishing, I'll call yeah. it that because well, we'll kayak to... fishing has been around for a long time, but I wish I'd have seen that 15 years ago. I, mean, I would have built one of those for my tarpon 16 when I was fishing shallow water. Oh yeah, I thought that I thought that was pretty ingenious. It was very ingenious, and the guy, I think the kayak itself was a fairly inexpensive model. So he got himself. He figured out a way to give himself pedals, be hands free in a in an inexpensive way. So don't knock mm-hmm. the guy for it. 
pat them on the back. You know what I mean? Thank them. Yep. No, I agree. It's that. It's the. It's the constant posts of, hey guys, I'm new to kayak fishing. Looking for some recommendations on what what kayak to get. The first thing everybody says. Something with pedals. It could be a Hobie. It could be anybody's boat with pedals. We're talking about the, the, the top of the line kayaks, right? Nobody anymore bothers to stop and ask the guy, "Hey man, what's your budget?" Or, yeah, what's your budget? "Hey, do you happen to have do you happen to have a nice kayak shop near you?" You know what I mean? If you mm-hmm. had a nice kayak shop near you, you, maybe you can stop by and you can uh, you can say what's up to the owners and the people who work there and ask about demos. And rather than me, some dude on Facebook who probably started started fishing literally the same time he started kayaking, telling you what you should go out and buy, spend your hard-earned money on, you should go, put your butt in as many seats as possible, pedal, paddle, pole, do whatever it is you got to do to make the best decision for you. To make the best decision for you. Because at the end of the day, they're not paying for it. You are. So if you go out and you buy something on a recommendation and you don't like it, you have to, then you have to sell it. And you're going to lose money. You're not going to lose a lot of money because for some reason kayaks hold their value like, like gold. So, uh, but you're going to lose some money and the aggravation of having to go through the whole process of selling it and then trying to get something different or whatever. Demo, 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 demo. When in doubt, what do you do? You demo. And if you don't have a place close to you where you can go and, uh, and, and, and demo something, then take the drive. Take a weekend, because almost all kayak shops are open on the weekend. Take the opportunity to drive out to your local kayak shop and demo, demo, demo. Or if you're uh, you're in a fishing group like the Space Coast Kayak Anglers or uh, any of the local pages to wherever you are, if there's not one, maybe you create one. But anyway, um, and ask your fellow fishermen, hey, does anybody in the group have product X? Because I'd really like to try one. And none of the local shops have it. I'm thinking about ordering it from online or whatever the case would be, but I can't get into one to demo it. And you, we will find somebody for you. If you're in Central Florida, listen, if, right now, if you're in Central Florida and you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about getting into kayak fishing or you're already in kayak fishing but you want to get into a different kayak and you don't know which one you want to try, whatever, whatever, Join Space Coast Kayak Anglers. It's a group that myself and my buddy Pepe Vidal and a few others had started a bunch of years ago. We got a great group of people in there. We don't put up with crap. If you come in there and start crap, we we ban you. So it's it's family friendly as much as as much as it can be on on the internet. Um, but ask everybody, and uh, you know. Maybe you will find somebody who's got one that you can borrow for a few hours and see what you think about it. So Russell in the chat room says, uh, joined a couple forums in the last year and definitely seen a lot of that, probably the, the trash talking. 
Uh, it seems silly when someone recommends a PA without knowing anything about the situation the person that asked is fishing in. It's true. So, like, yep. I saw it the other yeah. day. Somebody asked. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, there's places I fish where pedals or paddle, I mean, pedals, whether it's first or the propel drive, native, won't do you any good. Some heavy oyster areas, some real heavy vegetation areas, real thick eelgrass, real thick hydrilla. I don't care what you got. You're not going through that stuff with pedals or or any kind of drive like that. And I think you experienced some of that down when the tide dropped out down in a flamingo or was it a ship where they had to pull they had to pull the yeah, pedal drive up and paddle. Yeah. So the standard answer of get something with pedals? Uh no. Depends on where you fish. It depends on where you fish. Well, I've been on like top that. of some oyster beds that you just you know, over in a Apalachicola, I've been up on top of oysters, shallow water, getting towed by redfish. So if you had pedals or or flippers, you'd get them snatched off the bottom of your boat by the oyster bed, you know. I mean, they're just not, that's not the solution for everything, in my opinion. Well, a good example of the nonsense that you see on some of these pages. Somebody asked the other day about, um, uh, what's the best kayak to take offshore? And do you have any idea as to how many people said a PA-14? Let me let me tell you something. No, I wouldn't take the PA. Listen, I fished out of I fished for I fished for Hobie for a number or a couple of years, and I owned a PA fourteen or I owned two different PA fourteens, and And a seventeen. Yeah, and I would not want to take a PA fourteen offshore. (laughs) Not from not through the surf, through Port Mm -hmm. Canaveral, different story because I'm not fighting the surf, but. I, no, it's not the right boat for it. I don't care who says what to you. It's not the right boat for it. A, it's not the right boat for anybody who is not physically strong because you have to get that thing to the water, you got to get it out of the water, and then you have to try and literally beat the ocean to get the thing past the, the first set of breakers. And if anybody paid any attention to what happened down there at the Sailfish Smackdown this past weekend, Everybody in a PA basically flipped. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the it, to me. It's not the first choice. It's not the right boat. An Outback's more suited for it. A Revo's more suited suited for it. If you're going to go Hobie, um, there's a bunch of. I mean, come on. Every kayak manufacturer now makes a boat that's very that's very um, that that has the ability to be able to be used in the ocean through the surf, whatever the case may be. Everyone makes one now. Some of them are better than others well, as well, far as speed is concerned, as far as uh, stability is concerned, and things like that. But you know, but the well, question you never even asked. Yeah. Yeah, the, the ultimate obviously. The ocean. No, 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 yeah. no. But Native makes the uh, Slayer. Um, they yeah. make. Uh, uh, even the Manta Ray, I think they still make the Manta Ray. The Manta Ray was a great mm-hmm. boat, has been a great boat. You know, and and most of you guys won't even remember the Magic. And mm-hmm. and I really wish at some point they bring that hole back. 
because if you never saw, if you never stood on a magic or you never paddled a magic, that honestly was one of my favorite kayaks of all time. They had issues with them; they cracked, but they, but it was, it was in the, it was in the, uh, it was in the way in which the metal brackets ran on the inside that caused the cracking. And it was, I don't think it was, I don't think it had anything to do with with cheap plastic or anything like that. Um, but even that boat was a, was a great boat to take off the beach. I'd done it. The Redfish, the, the original Redfish from Heritage, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's discontinued now, but I took that off the beaches. The original Tarpon 16 I, mean, I had was a good open water boat. Yeah. yeah. That old, that old so, style Tarpon 16 with the plastic tub, you know, no built-in seat. Yeah. You know, that's the one yeah, that... Um, we were down in... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just say Dennis Spike, that's what he shot all his videos off the West Coast in was a Tarpon 16, that old Tarpon. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought him up because uh, it's going to tie into another one of my conversations here um, about about the current situation within the, within the industry. Um, but listen, if I told you, hey, I'm going down to Flamingo and I'm going to fish Florida Bay, you know, what kind of kayak should I bring? A lot of people who have never been there, which are usually the kind of people that answer those questions first, will say a Hobie or something with a Propel or, some, or, the, or Jackson and the FD or whatever the case may be, pedals, basically. So now I will tell you, go pound sand. I'm not doing that <laughs> because <laughs> your pedals are useless when the tide leaves. I don't care what system you're in. I don't, it doesn't matter. I promise you, your pedals will be worthless when the tide leaves Florida Bay in a lot of the areas. So you've got to pick up a paddle. Now the question is, which kayak do you want to paddle when you have to paddle it? Certainly not the PA-14. Certainly not a PA-12. Mm-hmm. Really not even the Outback because it doesn't really paddle that well. For speed purposes, you're not getting anywhere. The Revo's great for it. The Island's great for it. Uh, in a native side, the Slayer doesn't paddle horrible, but it, it doesn't paddle great. I'll tell you what paddles good. Your Ultimate, <laughs> and that would be a great boat mm-hmm. for that Yep. I mean, I just, I think that people before, everybody wants to rush to comment and rush to be the helper and, and, and the guy that comes in with the good information. And I think before you do that, you have to sit back and ask yourself those same questions. Like, if I was looking for a kayak, what would be my criteria? How much does it cost? How much is upkeep? Because that's, you got to take that in consideration. If you break something in your drive system, Mm-hmm. Right, you got to replace it. How much does it weigh? How am I going to transport it? You know, there's a lot of a lot of things that you have to take into consideration before you make that decision to spend your hard-earned money on a piece of plastic that you plan on fishing from. So you shouldn't yeah. leave it in the hands of those who, for whatever reason push a specific brand so much that it's almost annoying. Yep. Listen, I'm not going to lie. 
I, I was guilty of it at one time. I, I was, I was all about wanting to promote whoever it was that was that that I was hooked into, and that's kind of your job in a way. But there's 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 a way to do it to where it's tactful, and then there's a way to do it to where it comes off super annoying. And when you're the guy or the girl that is like, it's this or nothing, you're, you're that person. Even when I fish for Jackson or I want, even when I fish for Hobie, if somebody asks me my honest opinion, great example, fishing one day by myself, had the PA-17 out. This older gentleman at the ramp stopped me and talked to me about the boat. I told him all about it. He goes, it looks incredible. I said, it is incredible. He goes, man, I might have to look into that. And I told the guy, straight-faced honest, unless you plan on sinking a trailer in the water, submerging a trailer in the water like a boat, this is not the boat for you, <laughs> period. Mm-hmm. No offense, but you're a little old, <laughs> and this is a lot of boats. And it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. And it's heavy. It's heavy. And so that's an honest answer. Should I have told him that representing a manufacturer? Yes, I should have because it's an honest answer. So did I give him other options? Sure, of course I did. I told him that, you know, uh, the PA-12 is not a bad boat, also very heavy. How do you plan on transporting? Oh, then you should probably look into maybe the Outback. Or, hey, you know what? Come on by the shop and demo, 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 demo. Demo everything that you can and make your decision. Take your time, demo a couple today, demo a couple next week, whatever, 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 and figure out which one it is that makes you happy and will do what you want it to do because not everybody wants to stand up. Not everybody wants to throw a fly. Not everybody wants to have pedals. Not everybody cares to have a tank for a, a plastic boat. You know, that's why Eddie Line won Best of Show against all the big names. Come on now, people. Seriously? Like, everyone out there bickering about whose pedal drive is better and all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, you got companies like Eddie Line that come out with an ultralight kayak, which is not anything new. It's not new technology. It's been around forever. Um, but they came out with an ultralight kayak that had some nice bells and whistles, and they won Best of Show at ICAST a couple years ago beating out all those big giant companies that we all have grown to love and admire or some of you hate for whatever reason. You know, I'm just saying that's my perspective on, on the nonsense that is the bickering that takes place in the kayak world. You know, like I saw a post, listen to this, this, this gets me. So I saw a post the other day about the Bonafide boat. And Luther, so there's no, no secret, Luther and I are, are friends, and uh, I respect Luther for everything that he's done in this industry. I think Luther is truly a pioneer when it comes to all things Yak Attack slash Bonafide. You have a guy who literally started his business with one product and – now is the household name for kayak fishing accessories the world over. And now he decided to uh, get into the actual kayak world, and he's doing it in a big way. And there was a comment 
made about something along the lines of, you know, there's a lot of hype around this boat and, you know, is it, is it fanboys? Is it legit? You know, what's the deal? And, you know, I, I have not yet put my eyes on that craft. I haven't seen a bona fide up close and personal yet, except for pictures. But here's the thing. I made a comment to Luther some years ago when he first started talking about doing this, about what I thought would make for the ultimate kayak. Guess what it didn't have? Pedals. Because I don't think that's really, honestly, at the end of the day, that important to the world of kayak fishing. It is if you fish offshore. It is if you're fishing moving water, and and it's deep moving water. It certainly makes life a little bit uh, easier. But I fished the Adventure Fishing World Championships in Chukaluski out of a Jackson uh, Cuda 14 with a rudder on the back of it, and I was pacing with the guys in the pedal boats for long distances, whatever. When, when I told Luther, tracking, comfort, stability, and quiet, Mm-hmm. Those those four things to me are like the pieces to the puzzle that have not been put together by any manufacturer that I have paddled yet. I don't Especially think anybody the has world. cracked the right. I don't think anyone has cracked the code. All of those. I'm not saying the bona fide has done it, but Luther seemed to agree with me that those are the types of things he was looking into doing too. And I got excited because here he is. He's an innovator. He's, he's got a genius mind. And he has the ability to be able to do what he wants because he's helping to design this boat. Or I don't know how, I don't know how much influence anybody else had in the design. I'm sure he listened to a bunch of people, but um, and I'm sure I wasn't one of them. I'm not trying to say that at all, but that to me would make the perfect kayak. You get a kayak that you can paddle. It's got some speed to it. You got a kayak that's comfortable. You got a kayak that's quiet and you get a kayak that's stable. Those things to me are very important. I don't, I don't know of anything else that I could throw in the mix there that I don't care about storage space. I don't care about how big the hatch is. None of that stuff matters to me. Because I'm I'm very simplistic no, on the water. I don't. What's that? Yeah, you don't want the hull to you don't want the hull to bend to warp if it sits in Florida sun for a couple hours. That'd be the other thing I'd add. Right. You know what I mean? I have I have hulls. had that happen. Yep. I have had that happen. I had I I one of the very first, uh, actually my second kayak that I ever had was a Emotion Grand Slam which is essentially the Redfish 14. There's very few differences between those two boats. And that boat was very soft. It was very soft. I'm not knocking the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying what, it, what the boat was. The boat was very soft. When I stood up in it, granted it wasn't designed to be stood in, but I stood up in everything that I've ever had because that's the kind of fishing I like to do. But when I stood up in it, the floor would... would sag 
Mm-hmm. And if I left it on my bed extender for a day or two, it would have a big bow in the bottom of the boat. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even strapped down super tight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I look at these comments for folks who take on somebody like Luther. And I'm and and I get it. Some of the comments are warranted. But then you see other comments where it's like, well, it doesn't have pedals. Well, who cares? Who cares if it doesn't have pedals? Like pedals are cool when you can use pedals. But going back to my previous statement about going down a ch- uh, going down a flamingo, you can't use pedals when the water's gone. But you can paddle still in a couple inches of water. Mm-hmm. So, so he didn't set out to make a new pedal system. He set out to make a new kayak. And I think he did from what it looks like and talking to the people who I've talked to <coughs> who have uh, tried it and spent some time in the seat. I think that it's, um, it's awesome. I mean, it sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to trying it. But I would agree. I don't know, man. I just think it's I think it's silly. I think it, it it's honestly a lot of it's just really silly and very frivolous. Well it's and all it does is make you look it's like immature. a jerk. It's immature. Well it's high school stuff, man. It's immature. It's the same thing that, that used to go down in, in in high school where you find a kid who doesn't have nice shoes on and you pick on the kid with, with ugly shoes or you know, he wore the same thing. Mm-hmm. On Monday that he's wearing on Thursday, and you crack on about it, or whatever the case would be. I never did any of that stuff. I, I always, I always try to defend the ones that couldn't defend themselves, especially those with special needs. Oddly enough. Mm-hmm. But well, you know that's people just to me. That. Huh? People are forgetting that these are these are plastic boats. We're fishing out of plastic boats. We're not fishing yeah. out of Hell's Bays. So get over it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it, come on. Like I said, let's get back to the way that we were five years ago, even, where you can go to a boondoggle and wander around a boondoggle, and it didn't matter where you're from, who you're from, who you represented, what boat you brought with you. No one cared. No one cared. It was just like, hey, you want to come hang out with us? Come hang out with us. One cheeseburger? Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, one cheeseburger. Come over here and eat a cheeseburger. That's what I'm saying. Well, I was supposed to have uh, some guys on the show to talk about a tournament, but I guess they must have forgot. So I'm going to give them a plug, even though I don't have a whole lot of information regarding said tournament. But Where's the tournament at, that. Chuck? The tournament... Thanks for asking. The tournament is actually located. Hang on, where are we going here? It's located here in Brevard County. It is littering end. Littering end. Oh, come on. Go to the page. Beach and Boards Fest SUP and Kayak Fishing Tournament presented by a number of sponsors. We'll just throw that out there because some of them conflict with who we represent here at the show. Um, 
March March 10th, 2018, Cocoa Beach Country Club. There we go. The Cocoa Beach Country they're Club is a, where the, the they're, they're having a fishing tournament on the golf course. Well, they're going to have the the tournament like uh, weigh in and meeting and such probably at the golf course. Really? Hmm. Yeah, which that's, that's not a, that's not a weird thing. That happens a lot down here. Um, does it? But it, what's that? I said it does. Okay. Yeah, I mean because it's the catch photo release style tournament. You know what I mean? They, oh, they're not going to oh, have. Okay. Yeah, you're not bringing fish it's in a, or nothing like that. And okay. So okay, it's a photo release. Thirty dollars. Yeah. No, it's not a live way in. So this is okay. a. $30 pre-registration or $35 the day of the, the event. They're limiting it to 125 anglers. Um, I can tell you that they've got uh, Paddling Paradise, which is a kayak shop down in Melbourne. They're a sponsor. Boat Boards, they're a sponsor. Um, Yeti is a sponsor. Strike Zone of Melbourne is a, is a sponsor. Mount This Fish Company, which, by the way, if you're interested in getting a fish mounted and you would like a fantastic-looking replica done, I highly recommend, more than highly, I guarantee that you will be satisfied with a uh, fish mount from Mount This Fish Company. Um, Troy Denson is a good friend of mine. Uh, I've known Troy and his wife, Jen, for a number of years. Uh, incredible artist. I mean, his whole crew there are Really top notch. Uh, they send fish mounts all over the world. Dubai is a is a big place. They send a lot of uh, fish mounts to Dubai, but they do. I mean, all over the world, literally, they ship they ship uh, fish mounts. So if you say you should just so happen to go down to Los Buzos and catch yourself a beautiful rooster fish, um, and you want to have that that memory last, contact uh, Troy over at Mount This Fish Company. And if you live in Oklahoma or you live in Nebraska or anywhere for that matter, um, then, yeah, feel free to uh, hit him up because he can send it right to your house. Pretty awesome. Um, But, yeah, located at the pavilion at the Cocoa Beach Country Club. uh, Looks like 505 Tom Warner Boulevard, Cocoa Beach, Florida. Again, March 10th. 2018 from 6 a.m. till noon. So it's a short tournament. Um, but there you go. For more information and to register, you can go to http semicolon forward slash forward slash beach and board fest. That's beach, the letter N, board fest forward slash boards forward slash fishing. That's a mouthful. Also presented by Ron Jones, by the way. So, oh, that's interesting. There you go. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't. Tell, it doesn't tell me. It doesn't tell me anything about the species that it covers. But oh yeah, it does. Redfish trout. Hashtag Cocoa Beach. Hashtag Thousand Islands. I sure hope that they're not. I sure hope that you're allowed to fish anywhere other than the Thousand Islands for the tournament because that place is dead. There is nothing going on in that section of the Banana River. Um, 
So hopefully you can go elsewhere and come back and bring your fish in. Hopefully you don't have to launch. That's sad. Dude, let me tell you how sad that is. That place used to be one of those locations that you can go to, sneak through a little mangrove tunnel into a small little bay, like a tiny little cove that would have reds and snook and tarpon and everything else, and they're living happy, kind of, you know, hiding away from the normal hubbub of the river Mm -hmm. and have an Mm -hmm. absolute field day. And now it is literally a ghost town. All dead water. I would. I, I have zero desire whatsoever to ever go back there. Like it's on my list of places where I don't even waste my time. That's sad. Yeah. Well. So anyway, there you go. There's a tournament for you. If you want to fish the tournament. Those guys got it going on. They did this last year. They had a pretty good turnout. Uh, I don't know what all they're giving away, but they got $10,000 in cash and prizes going down, so that's pretty cool. Um, I think that's what I read. No, $12,000 in cash and prizes. They're up 2000 from last year, which is cool. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. There you go. So if you want to try your hand at a tournament, feel free to, to do that. Um, yeah. I think that um, – I don't know what I think. I think that it's just sad. <laughs> it really is mm-hmm. just so sad. Today today was a reminder. At work today, I went to a house on the river and uh, delivered some metal for the roof and looked across at the river and thought to myself, self, why in the world would you ever buy a house on the water down here right now? People don't know any better. Well, I, especially I get if they're coming it. out of the especially northeast. If you come down from you know? up, yeah, I was going to say, especially yeah. if you come down from up north, the water's dirty and nasty there anyway. So, but yep. it's just it's just not it's not good. Now, it's sad. I will say I will say this: when I found those black drum, the water was clean. Mm-hmm. The water was clean, so I mean crystal clear. So there's that, but and how- still. Little, little to no growth on the bottom of anything that's of any substance. Was there um, a significant amount of clean water? Or was it pretty um, general uh, localized to that one area? No, it was a good amount. It was a good amount. I could okay. e- even from where I was sitting, I could look across the area and uh, look across the mm-hmm. flat, and I could see uh, color changes on the bottom from you know rolly grass and all that kind of stupid stuff. So, uh, you know, definitely not. Excuse me. Definitely got the brown that I was accustomed to. Um, mm-hmm. It was nice to actually see the bottom for a change. So there's that. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I, I just, I, I hope that at some point in my lifetime that we get back to a place where uh, the river looks a little more healthy. You know, I've I've kind of honestly I've kind of not taken my son Trey uh, fishing often, uh, or actually, truth be told, nowhere near enough because I just right. I don't want him to I don't really want him to see it or experience that. Right. But at the same time, I'm kind of doing him a disservice because what I should truly do is take him to see it, explain to him the way that it was when I was his age. 
and mm-hmm. what he can do, even in his own little world as he grows up, to not be a hindrance into the system. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, it's good to get kids out fishing, whether it's freshwater or saltwater. I mean, I grew up fishing yeah, saltwater yeah, yeah. like you did in a totally different environment where we never had clear water. So, you know, to see yeah. really clear water is a special treat that people don't realize it, you know. And there's always a couple of lakes around there. You can slide the canoe in and take them out and catch some green trout. That's never bad for a kid to do. Oh, he's caught he's caught a ton yeah. of ditch pickles and bluegill and mm-hmm. stuff. So uh, he's caught redfish. He's caught tarpon. He's caught trout. He's caught ladyfish. He's caught snook. He's caught literally everything that swims here. But mm-hmm. um, now it's time. And I told him the other day, actually this morning, I said, hey, you want to go fishing with Daddy soon? And he was like, yeah. I said, you want to get outside and practice with that fly rod again? Yeah. Cool. So mission, IGFA, let me get the book. <laughs> let me go through it oh, yeah. and look at the small fro- or the young kid records and let's go smash some stuff because <laughs> I just think, I think it would be fun for him to have a challenge put before him, and I think that he would get a kick out of the actual reward of getting the certificate if he should just so happen to do it. I'm not – listen, before anyone says it, I am not – the dad that pushes his kid to do stuff because I didn't do it because I did do it. And I've been there and not in the IGFA record books, but I have, I have trust me when I tell you, I, I could not catch another fish for the rest of my life and watch my son's fish and be content. Mm-hmm. So with the exception, well, yeah, it'll be fun for him though if he does catch a world record that you get a certificate and get his name in the book, you know. That comes out once yeah. a year and he can see his name in the book. That'd cool. be fun. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. fun thing for kids. It's a Yeah, fun thing for him to do. And and you know, I'm I'm uh I'm really excited that uh I've kind of turned this page back into the way that I I was a few years ago to where I I want to get back into my writing. I want to get back into taking photos and I want to get back into doing the things that I enjoy that I can include him in. Mm -hmm. You know, I could, I could, I could write about our experiences on the water and make it interesting and, and, and he'll have somewhat of a lasting legacy of, of our time together in print form. Um, That's right. Which I think would be, which I think would be really cool. Mm-hmm. So, and it might inspire some other father sons to do stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and that's just it. It's it's like Alex. Alex is a great example of of the kind of father that I aspire to be because his kids are immersed in everything that they do, and mm-hmm. you know. It's it's just a lot of fun to watch. Logan is is the spitting image of his dad. Logan is just like Alex. And, really? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Just like him. I mean, witty. He, he's a smart ass. Like he is. I love that kid <laughs> to death. I really, really do. He is honest to God. He is one of the funniest kids I've ever met in my entire life. Because he he oh, has like salty. these one liner. 
Dude, he's got these yeah. one-liners that he throws out there. And depending upon the situation, Jess, you've heard him before, haven't you? Depending upon the situation, Beth or Alex will look at him like they're going to beat him, <laughs> depending upon what he says. But it is funny. Um, <laughs> but, but, but then again, you put him on the bow of a boat and hand him a fishing pole, mm-hmm. and he's in his mm-hmm. element just like his daddy. And, yeah. you know, to me, that, that's, that's important because that's what I want from my kids. I want, especially mm-hmm. for Trey, Logan's going to get there, but especially for Trey at his age, eight years old, right mm-hmm. now is the time where that fly rod and him can become best friends. And yep. uh, I want nothing more than when he's old enough to give him a right water 12 with a little six-horse kicker on the back of it and let him own whatever's left of this river. Mm-hmm. Let him just get after it and just and, and have fun and have a way to get away and, and have his personal time and, you know, find the love and the passion in it that, that I have. And it's not that I'm pushing it on him. I know my kid. I know that he would thrive in that in, with those types of uh, opportunities because he loves the outdoors. He, he's, he is... And that's funny because Trey is me uh, not 100%. Trey's probably in, in, in his passion for nature and that stuff, 100% me. Jess loves nature too, don't get me wrong. But she can take mm. it or leave it. She doesn't need to go out to the woods to see a, you know, anything in the woods. Like she doesn't want to do those types of things. She likes the water, and we enjoy our time on the water together but, and going to the beach and that kind of thing. But Trey is good with, would be good with all of it. You could take him to the beach, he'd have mm. a great time. You could take him to the river, he'd have a great time. You could drop him off on an island in the middle of the river, and he'd be happier than a pig and shit. Mm-hmm. And the fish. The last time I took Trey fishing, this is really actually pretty sad to think about. The last time I took Trey fishing, I took him in the canoe. And we went, we fished down by Pineda, because I was hoping we'd get on some redfish and, and some trout, but I'd seen some there the trip prior. I did like a little scouting trip from Daddy Sunday. And uh, mm-hmm. we ended up going back over towards the bridge and, and just chunking shrimp. Well, you know, a kid, right? He's, shrimp's right. acceptable for him to throw. It's fine, no problem. And he kept catching puffers. And you'd have thought he caught a bonefish. You'd have thought he caught a marlin. You'd have mm-hmm. thought he caught a tuna. You'd have thought he caught some glorious species. He caught a stinking pufferfish. Reel mm-hmm. it up. Grab it. I grab it for him. Take it to its belly. Make it puff up. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Day's complete. <laughs> he watched this fish puff up, and then I set the fish back in the water on its back. So as it spits out the mm-hmm. air, it kind of spins around in circles. It's really funny. And uh, <laughs> he thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And I mm-hmm. thought it was the greatest thing in the world that my kid thought that the puffer fish was the greatest thing in the world. Like, mm-hmm. it made mm-hmm. me realize it, that, at that moment, honestly, it made me realize that it's, it's not about trophy fish. It's not about catching tons of numbers of fish. It's a, just about being in it. It's about being out there and enjoying it. And so, like, when, when you know, you go fishing. Well, there's a and, life cycle. And, as, as a fisherman, there's a life cycle. You first start fishing, you want to catch a lot of fish because you haven't really caught a lot of fish. So you catch a lot of fish, then you mature past that, then you want to catch a big fish of whatever species, or many big fish or many big species. 
you do enough of that, and you're like, okay, I want to catch a hard fish. Doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be a lot, but I want to catch a really challenging fish, right? And then when you catch enough of the mm-hmm. challenging fish, then you're like, I just want to enjoy what time I have left fishing. I don't care what I catch, catch a lot, catch a little, catch big, catch a small. You know, I just want to enjoy being out there for the time you have left on the earth to be out there. You know what I mean? When you go through all those phases. Well, I certainly hope that I've got a lot more time left on the earth. (laughs) As I'm not quite ready to to give it up just yet, but I'm in that later (laughs) stage already. Like when I was in Panama, man, um, I, I, I soaked in everything about that place. Like most guys that I know are hardcore fishermen would have been nonstop casting till their arms fell off the whole time they were there. And I did a lot of casting. I did a lot of fishing. But I also did a lot of gazing into the, the mountains and looking at the Jesus lizard run across a river. You know what I mean? Like I did a lot of just Dude, you had wild parrots flying in eating lunch with you. You know what I mean? I had a wild parrot chill with me, yes. Didn't try to eat me either. I was glad for that. I mean, think about that. Think about the experience of the lizard walking on the water and the fact that you're sitting in an open-air cantina and there's parrots, which cost hundreds of dollars at stores, coming in and eating food off your with you off your plate. You know, which has got nothing to do with fishing, but it has everything to do with the life experience. Oh, listen, I can't, I can't thank you, and I can't thank uh, the folks at Los Buzos enough for that opportunity. Adam Fisk and Eric and everybody down there. Um, it, it was, it was, honest to God, it, it, and it's not. I have, I don't have any skin in the game, so I'm not telling you this because. You know, there's some hidden treasure for me. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my entire life. The only things that surpass it in, in, in life experience is obviously my children being born, my, me and my wife meeting, getting married, having the kids, the whole thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Family aside, mm-hmm. it was one of the most absolutely incredible things I've ever witnessed Panama. And that's the best way to describe it because there's just so much to take in. There's so much to look at. And I get it. Some folks aren't, aren't that way. Some people don't, don't look at uh, the world in that sense. I do because I love it. I, I love everything about like the Bahamas is, is intriguing to me for a number of reasons. And most of them have nothing to do with fishing. Mm. I want to grab a backpack, um, put a backpack on, on my back, grab a fly rod and go walking. And it doesn't matter where I'm at, Florida, Georgia, uh, the Carolinas, Arizona, could be anywhere in the in the continental U.S. Could be anywhere in the Bahamas. Could be anywhere in Panama. I just want to go and experience whatever I can experience mm. in the short time that I have on this planet. And and I want to drag my family along with me for these experiences as well, as many of them as I can. And I you know I just I I think I feel like all too often we get stuck 
in the world that we live in now, which is all dominated by computer screens and and smartphones and all this other nonsense to where we get so distracted that we forget that, listen, I'm 38 years old. I know I'm not the oldest dude listening to this show. I'm certainly not the oldest dude sitting in the studio right now. <laughs> um, not yeah, even close. Like that? Told you, told you I'd get you back. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. uh, uh, but I'm 38. I haven't taken the best care of myself in these 38 years on the planet. I'm doing, I'm doing a much better job of it right now. Hopefully that will extend me some favor with the man upstairs and allow my story to continue. But yoga. Yeah, I know. I want to start doing it, but, but you know, there's, 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 there's things that I want to see. There's things that I want to experience that I want my kids to see and experience. And there's species of fish that I have to put holes in their faces. And that's just the way that it is. So my focus after that Panama trip now, my focus now is figuring out how I can make all of this happen. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm working on it. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out also, too, how I can extend the olive branch, so to speak, and make it happen for other people who might not have before thought that it's possible for them to go and do it. Mm. That's the beauty of kayak fishing is that those of us that are, that are in love with plastic boats are in love with plastic boats for its simplicity and for its cost effectiveness. Right. We love kayaks because they're inexpensive. If everybody could own a flat boat or a bay boat or an offshore boat, nobody would buy a kayak. I know, listen, I get it that there's a lot of people that can afford all those things and still choose to go the route of the kayak, which is great because at the time when we first, when I first got into it, I was in that classification of people. And there's something about that plastic boat that brings people together from all different walks of life, from all different uh, backgrounds, from all different cultures, all different um, monetary positions whatever, however you want to describe that. Um, Socioeconomic status. But the, thank you. But the, <laughs> but the, <laughs> the common core that, that binds us all together is our love for fishing. And who doesn't want to travel and fish? Like everybody has a bucket list. Every, what's on your bucket list, James? So we're catfish that swim really fast on a fly. There you go. So, I'm already caught on convention. So it doesn't count. So James and I <laughs> share share a common species that's on our bucket list that to be quite honest with you, if I if if we were able to make that happen at the same time, same trip would be epic for me. Not just me getting mine, but watching you catch yours. Because I know how long you've been at fly fishing. I know how long you've been fishing. And, you know, it would be really, really cool to share that moment with somebody who has the same passion for the silver catfish that swims super, super fast. Mm-hmm. And that would be epic. It would be epic. And there's, and it's going to happen, but there's at some point, but there's, there's, 
a lot of people out there that would love to go and chase that dream fish or go and chase that opportunity, and they don't know really where to start and how to look and where to find it and whatever. And feel free, if you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns when it comes to that. I'm a pretty good, uh, I'm a pretty good person to, uh, to try and uh, find those um, locations and areas, and especially the people over the that have the expertise to help you find um, that that bucket list fish and put you in the position to possibly make it happen. Um, I've been I've been failing my chat room here. Hang on a second. I'm just looking to see what's up. <laughs> Scott was in. Scott's still in. Uh, he's hanging out, chilling. Uh, Steely man, still on my way. Fishing this weekend. Uh, it's super touchy sometimes. I felt like I passed the test to log into the chat room. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I'm sorry about that, guys. Uh, the platform that we use here at Blog Talk, we've been using for eight years, and so it's kind of like. I know there's probably something else out there that would be more user-friendly, but at this point, we're pretty much, like, in it. I don't really see myself wanting to leave this platform and move on to something different. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things that comes with the, with the territory. If you, if you ever have a problem logging in um, or hearing the show, you can always call us. You can call us anytime. Seven one four eight one six forty seven twenty seven. I didn't give out the number at all this show, and I'm really sorry that I didn't. But in real quick, we're doing another show on Thursday. We're doing another show on Thursday. This Thursday. And the reason why this Thursday. What's that? This Thursday. This Thursday. Coming. Not. Not every Thursday. Eastern. Eight o'clock, Eastern time. And the reason why we're doing a show this Thursday is because we're going to have a very very special guest joining us. I was trying to get him on the show for tomorrow to do it Wednesday, but tomorrow's obviously Valentine's Day, and I'm pretty sure that my wife would probably castrate me if I did a show on Valentine's Day. So we're not going to do a show on Valentine's Day. Right, babe? Babe? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, Thursday we're going to be doing a show, and we will be talking with, None other than, bum, bum, bum. Well, where's the music? Hang on, let me hit the music. Got to hit the music. Oh, where is it? Where'd it go? Seriously? Did I lose that button? I must have lost the button. Who's that special guest going to be, Chuck? Oh, I'm glad you asked, James. That special guest is going to be none other than Vince Segura from Skinny Water Culture. I probably just wow. Probably just How cool is that? Well, it's pretty cool, man, because uh, I'm a big fan of Skinny Water Culture. I love their, their apparel. Um, I like the vibe that those guys carry with them wherever they go. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh they got cool stuff. 
Yeah, they got really, really cool stuff. And they came out with some new performance stuff. I wanted to give them an opportunity to come on the show and, and tell everybody kind of about what, the, what all they got going on. They just came out with a rain jacket. They just came out with fishing pants. They just came out with long sleeve shirts and short sleeve shirts buttoned down. Um, so a lot of really cool stuff. It's a big step for a, an apparel uh, attire. So, um, yes. Yes, children, it's true. Yeah, rain jacket. Did you see it? It's, it's rain. a nice-looking rain it's, jacket. It's, it's hard to get a decent rain jacket of fly fish in. Trust me, it really is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the pants are nice. I looked at the pants over at Flounder Creek Outfitters. They have, they've got some of the uh, skinny water culture stuff in there, and I, I'm pretty sure Richard down at Harry Goods in Melbourne has it as well. Um, I don't know if he's got the new pants and shirts and stuff, but uh, Nick over there at Flounder Creek did. Very nice, very nice looking stuff. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to having Vince on the show. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very similar to having Lee on the show because just like Lee, Vince is, is the character. So um, who knows where the conversation is going to go. And I'm going to go ahead and put this out there now just, just for forewarning. I'm not sure – well, we don't have the family rating on the show at the moment, um, and it's probably a good thing because it might it may mm-hmm. get a little adult adult friendly, which I'm not I'm not really opposed to it. Listen, we're all adults here, right? And depending and we're in the fishing industry, so yeah, we try right. to be. Uh, so it is what it is. We'll, we'll keep it as clean as we possibly can, of course, just because it, it, that's the right thing to do. But um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, very excited. So there's that. Um, I will tell you this about about fishing apparel because this is going to be one of those things. Some folks have sticker shock when they see the price of fishing apparel. I used to be one of those people. Um, I, 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 I don't go out and purchase very expensive clothing because – Quite honestly, I am horrible on clothes. I destroy them. Um, up until I purchased a, a pair of fishing pants from Howler Brothers, and um, these were not given to me. This is not a, a plug for them because they gave me anything for free because trust me when I tell you it was far from free. But that's the first time I ever saw the true value in buying something of good quality because – how long have I had those pants now? Three or four years? Five years, maybe? Oh, it's and been pushing five, right? They have, yeah, probably close to. They have been through war with me <laughs> in the river, mm-hmm. down in the Everglades, uh, up in the Panhandle, up in Virginia, um, in Panama. Uh, they will be on me in in the Bahamas. Um, you gotta wash those things. And one they, day. I don't, I don't, I'll never wash them. <laughs> I like it when I put on a pair of pants and they feel like cardboard. <laughs> you can stand them in the corner. You don't have to fold them up. You just stand them in the corner. Oh, there's no folding them. I just stand them over in the corner like a mannequin. I just stand up on the on the on the uh, on the legs, it's like it's, you know, 
Mm-hmm. But that's true. Quality costs money, and um, that's true. You know, uh, so I think the pants, I think the skinny water pants go for somewhere like seventy bucks or seventy nine bucks or something like that, mm-hmm. and the jacket is about the same. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's it makes sense when you when you put money into a good quality product, it can fetch that 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 number no problem and. To not, they didn't bring up Howard Brothers to try and compete or compare to Skinny Water because that's not what I'm trying to do. That's not my intention. I'm just saying that there's there is value to be had when you spend good money on good apparel. Um, but those damn Howard Brother pants just now finally the stitching around the cuffs around the ankles is starting to come loose. I've got a couple holes that have developed down there, but that's that's from me dragging my feet or walking on them in flip-flops or whatever. Uh, I did I didn't come off put a little cut. Shorts. No. I did like jorts, but fancier. <laughs> but uh, I, I did get a little small cut in one of the legs one time. And I will say this, that the material did not fray and the cut mm-hmm. in the pants did not grow. So uh-huh. that's pretty awesome because yeah. I'm wearing a pair of Dickie shorts right now that got caught on a piece of metal, then grew into a much bigger hole and frayed and everything else. So there you go. Right. But very excited. Looking forward to having Vince on the show. Um, if you fish salt water and you fish skinny water, you know skinny water culture. You've heard of SWC. You've been around it. You've seen it. Someone you know wears it. You probably have some stuff from them. Um, you probably have some stuff from them. Don't even realize it if you if you're a sticker freak like I am. Um, they have a lot of stickers and stuff. But uh, yeah, super excited about that. So every Thursday at eight o'clock Eastern time, same place. We'll I'll put a link up uh, either tonight or tomorrow for that show. And uh, tune in. I don't know. I don't know what to expect with with Vince on the show. I don't know if we'll do any giveaways or anything like that. I don't know those things. We will find out when Vince is on the show, basically. So there, there you go. Um, and then the following week, oh, hang on a second, ladies and gentlemen, we have another announcement. The following week, James, we have another amazing guest joining us. And who would that amazing guest be, Chuck? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Hang on a second. I got to hit my music, man. <laughs> so stupid, but I got to do it. Where is it? Where'd it go? There it is. Other, who is none other than James Macbeth? Who's James Macbeth? James Macbeth is from Jackson Kayaks. He's the marketing director from Jackson Kayaks. He will be joining us on the show next week. That's awesome. Very excited. It is awesome. Is he going? Very excited about that too. He, to be honest with you. Is he, Is he going to talk about the Mayfly? We're going to talk about anything that we want to talk about about Jackson with him. So, uh, yes, we will definitely be talking about the Mayfly. 
Uh, we're going to talk about the FD. We're going to talk about the Kraken. We're going to talk about whatever all he wants to talk about when it comes to Jackson mm-hmm. Kayaks. I am very, very excited about this. Um, I've known James for a number of years. Uh, everybody at Jackson Kayaks is, is absolutely amazing. Um, nothing but top-notch things to say about that entire company. Um, so, and, and I can let the cat out of the bag because it's going to happen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who may or may not be uh, interested in making a trip to the Bahamas to go fishing, kayak fishing specifically, for bonefish and permit and tarpon and snappers and uh, houndfish and pelagics and whatever else, groupers and stuff, Jackson Kayaks and Old Bahama Bay Resort have now teamed up and will be offering Jackson Kayaks for you to use when you go stay at the Old Bahama Bay Resort. I can say that because it's happening. Hit the button. Oh, yeah, yeah, good call. Actually very excited about that whole situation. Um, We'll talk more about it once we get the guys from Old Bahama Bay on the show, which hopefully we'll do very soon. Um, We're actually planning on going over and hosting a couple of kayak fishing radio episodes from Old Bahama Bay Resort. And uh, look forward to bringing that to you guys uh, as soon as possible. They're going to go, uh, Jim Sammons and the crew, Jackson Media House, they're going to go over there. They're going to film and uh, hang out and enjoy all that the Old Bahama Bay Resort has to offer. Um, And, uh, yeah, so if you guys ever decide to take a trip to the Bahamas and you want to go fish, feel free to – Hit up the fine folks at the Old Bahama Bay Resort. You can fly in on a commercial plane. You can fly in on a private plane. You can take the ferry across from South Florida. You can take the small cruise ship across from South Florida on a one-day pass. There's a number of ways that you can get to the Bahamas and then get yourself over to the Old Bahama Bay Resort. They have a couple different price points for their rooms, depending upon the season. They range anywhere from like 175 a night on up to 300 and some odd dollars a night. Um, and they are condos, so they have a little kitchen and all that kind of thing. Um, so very affordable to make a weekend trip over to the Bahamas to try and knock off some bucket list fish. Um, for any and, information and regarding for- I was going to say, just for a comparison, right now, my wife and I were looking to get out of the cold and to go to Florida. Night right now, anywhere in Florida, a decent hotel is going to cost you 150 day, 100 night. So when you think, well, man, that, they might be charging a lot. What Chuck is telling you to get somewhere warm this time of year, that's not a lot of money. That's a good price. So there you go. And, uh, Come on, really, for the ability to be able to wake up in the morning, drink your coffee, look out at a flat and see bonefish tails sticking out of the water, finish your coffee, grab your fly rod or your spinning rod if you so choose to cheat, and then go and catch yourself a bonefish. Pretty awesome. Pretty so where's awesome. that ferry leave from? The ferry you talked about, they leave out of what? Yeah, Fort Lauderdale, Miami? Out of Fort Lauderdale. 
And I can Fort tell you that there's Fort Everglades. Some, and if you can get some, if you can get to Fort Lauderdale, there's some decent flights out of Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas. So don't think you got to fly right to the Bahamas. You can fly to Fort Lauderdale, then go over on a different airline, right? Like Air Bahama, whatever you call it. We will be um, a bucket list fish right now. Is a black drum. <laughs> Yeah, Julio says his bucket list fish right now is a black drum. That's not a problem. I told you. But you got to get your butt out of bed. You can't be show. You can't call me and say, "Am I at the, am I at the right place at eight o'clock in the morning?" You've already missed your opportunity for your fish. But uh, I, I kid. I no, I don't kid. I'm being serious. You, you got to get up earlier than that. That's the thing. Right Even now, in the winter year, it's not the winter here. Freaking 84 oh. degrees today. Oh, it's still winter where I'm at. It was yeah. 50 degrees. 80, it was 84, de- I think 84 degrees today. But what happens That's is crazy. right now, first light, there's little to no wind. It was my girl's fault. Wow. Threw her underneath the bus. No, he already told me that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I already told you what you need to do about that. If she's, if she's late again, you just leave her at the house. Leave it now. Oh, oh no! That that's that's don't bad that. advice. Don't don't, do don't listen. That's, don't yeah, don't do that. Horrible advice. That's the worst advice I ever gave anybody here on Kayak Fishing Radio. No, but seriously, um, yeah. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Don't do it. Um, you come on. You know that I couldn't get away with that. So, anyways, um, you got to get out early. He said he's gonna leave her butt behind next time. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. she must not um, be in the room. Probably not. Well, he's typing, so he's not saying it, but it's different. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, we're going to do a hosted trip over to uh, Old Bahama Bay Resort at some point this year, uh, kayak fishing radio, that is. So any of you listeners out there that would like to join Captain Alex, myself, and more than likely James, uh, feel free to get a hold of me and uh, give me your information. And as soon as I have dates lined up, I'll let you know. Same thing with Panama. I'm going to try real hard to get back down to Panama this year at some point. Um, so let me know if uh, if you want to get down with that, uh, trying to figure out some dates as we speak. Hey, what, if you can't get wasn't there a post of, can't. Wasn't, wasn't there a Facebook post of some guys going down to where you went at Los Buzos? Wasn't there another group of guys going down? I, I don't know. I'm sure there were. Yeah, I thought I saw a post from those guys down at Los Buzos. There's a group of anglers coming in. It'd be interesting yeah, to hear I'm how they sure. did. Oh, well, the last group that was there did really well. Uh, yeah. Got caught a lot of rooster fish, um, grouper, snapper, corbina. Um, I don't know if they got into tunas or not, but we're getting into the heart of their season where it's really going to get good. Apparently April is the month for billfish. Hmm. And I kicked it around a little bit thinking about maybe trying to make it down there by then, but April's comes, April's going to come before we know it. And I oh, don't yeah. think that's April's going here to yeah, April's yeah. Gonna be here for you. Know so, it. you know, but when, when the billfish come in, the billfish come in. I mean, I'm talking like crazy. Right, right off the beach, and um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen a, a Pacific sailfish, but they are 
I mean, honestly, the average fish is probably well over 100 pounds and, um, you know, eight feet long or so. So you're talking about a massive version of the Atlantic fish. Um, but also, too, don't forget you have the opportunity to maybe hook into a marlin, which I don't really know what in the world you'd ever do with it on a kayak, but um, as far as a black marlin is concerned, much different than catching a blue marlin. Um, you probably end up in a different country. The, probably more than likely, Costa Rica. Uh, Russell says he might be able to get the wife on board with a Bahamas trip. And that's the thing about the place, and I'm excited to take my wife there because it is a resort. When I tell you it's a resort, this place is beautiful. I haven't put my own personal eyes on it, but from what I've seen, it's gorgeous. They got a spa, they got swimming pool, they got beaches and everything else you need. We got 90 seconds left in the show. I've talked too much. I appreciate it, James. Man, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Because otherwise, it it have been rough. <laughs> no problem, man. It's always good to be part of the crew. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Cool, 60 seconds. Folks, take a kid fishing in a future for sport. If you're interested in getting involved in the keto lifestyle, feel free to hit up my wife, Jessica Levi, on, and she'll get you set up with all of the information for that. Um, I said take kid fishing in a future for sport. Yes, I did. Do that. Uh, let's stop bullying. We're going to try and start a movement to truly stop bullying. Watched a horrible video today that really got me pissed off. And so uh, we'll figure out something to do for children who have been bullied. Maybe we'll try and come up with some kind of cool uh, situation that we can do for that. But anyways, God bless all of you. Appreciate it so much. We'll talk to you next. Oh, we'll talk to you Thursday. Don't forget Thursday, 8 o'clock with uh, Vince from Skinny Water Culture. See ya. (laughs) 